News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Happy Sunday, everyone. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke and Jill Van Dyvendyke as well. Welcome to Garden Talk. If you have a question, you can give us a call or send us a text at one 332 8255 Good morning. Good morning, Brittany. Good the- morning. <laughs> The sunshine the is sun out is today. We had some rain, which just rain. made things major green. Yeah. But then it also made, which I look out the window, all the dandelions bloom. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting to see green and yellow now. The green and yellow now. So yeah, everything's with that rain, it just sort of woke everything up. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Everything is so nice and clean. And with the sunshine today, I have a feeling there's a lot of people that are going to be tempted to head out in the garden and get planting, but it's not time yet, right? We've well, got to hold off. It's it's time. It's time to get your plants because otherwise next weekend is not long weekend, right? Next, next weekend? weekend's yeah, a long next weekend. weekend. Next week's a long weekend. Time just blends this time of the year for me. So it's <laughs> it's uh, next next weekend's a long weekend, and uh, now the temperatures you're still seeing by the end of the week some zeros at night time. Yeah, at so nighttime? we're seeing some zeros at night time. So I, as you can see, I brought some plants to the studio today, yeah. and plants are grown in the greenhouse, so they're still tender. So it's really important that we don't keep them out at nighttime until we're seeing those nighttime temperatures stay consistently around five degrees. So that means hardening them off. What does that mean? It means putting them out during the day and bringing them in at night. Gets them nice and tough, gets those leaves a little bit thicker and gets them and used you, to the weather. And you need to do that anyway. So you might yes. as well, like I said, you, I suggest people get their plants this week because uh, with the weather the way it is, a lot of people are going to wait, right? And then it's going to be mayhem at all the greenhouses across Saskatchewan. It's going to be, people are going to all go there once. And you know yeah. what that's like. So. Well, and also right now, like with with stuff coming in from growers and everything, this week is going to be the week that all the garden, garden centers are at their peak of stock right now. And it's prime, so yep. if you're looking for those uh, key items, don't wait till the first week of June when uh, you're like, oh, I'm for sure out of the clear because you're not going to have the selection that you would if you go so now. So which plants are you are you seeing that, that people usually want that maybe? might after the long weekend might not be there. Well, one of the things that we're seeing a huge trend in is, and it's driven by probably the produce prices in the greenhouse in the gar- in the grocery stores is uh vegetable Vegetables. gardening is a huge yep. trend. Absolutely. So we're actually not able to even keep up with the germination rate. So our vegetable department, we're getting a big truck in of vegetables in the, today and then another one in on Tuesday, but the stuff is not germinating even fast enough. So if you see an empty spot on a, on the vegetable section in garden centers, it's usually still coming. Um we're just waiting for the next round to start just to start sprouting yeah. so that's and, the case and, at our store and that's the trend right across Saskatchewan the greenhouses yeah. it's vegetables 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 because yeah you go to the store today right you go to find yeah. out Brittany you go to the store to get you got three kids yeah three kids right? our grocery bill is sky high right now yeah. so that's something we're planning to do a lot of this year already we've got some seeds started and it's especially fun with our four-year-old vegetable gardening with kids is the best and you know what that's a legacy you can train your kids to do to grow their own food i mean that's that's you know and i'm noticing it even with this in the shrub department our, our i've never seen so many um like things like gooseberries and hascaps and saskatoons blueberries plant, basically, raspberries basically plants with a purpose they're not buying a spirea they're buying a plant that they can pick berries off later on so it, it's that trend is really changing Definitely. Okay, so we have Lonnie on the phone in Garden River. Good morning, Lonnie. Good morning. Okay, this is my question. I have uh, been gifted a beautiful hydrangea in a patio, you know, like a patio pot. Yeah. It's in full bloom. 
I've tried this before without success. Is there any way to transplant it into my garden so that it'll come back as a shrub? Not that variety. If you've received it probably around between Easter and Mother's Day and it's a beautiful blue or pink color and it's in like a container that you would keep inside the house, that variety is actually a houseplant variety and not hardy to Saskatchewan. You can, however, put it outside in a north or an east exposure and it will continue to bloom all summer long for you. And then just cut it down a little bit, bring it inside the house and you can actually keep it as a houseplant for the winter. Should I fertilize it? Yes, make sure you're fertilizing it weekly. And to keep that blue color, you want to add some aluminum sulfate to the soil. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lonnie. Okay, Lonnie brought up fertilizing. So I've got to ask, when it comes to fertilizer... I haven't done it yet. Am I am I behind the ball? Can uh, I catch up here? You, you know, for, for, that's why I even brought some stuff with me here. Is that you know, if you have a container or a hanging basket, and a lot of people gave baskets and that for Mother's Day and that kind of stuff, it's important to put. A, I always say in a container, put a slow release fertilizer. Okay, slow release is basically prills you put on the top of the of prills of fertilizer that you put on top of the soil, and then every time you water, there's a little bit of fertilizer. And then, then some of the the uh, annuals are really vegetative, right, Jill? Like yeah, a, we have a lot of hybrid varieties that are grown for that are bred for yeah. vigor, so they require a lot more food. So then you're going to put that slow release on top, and then every, about every at least once every week to basically ten days, you're going to supplement again with a little bit of twenty 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 water soluble mix of water and water with your can with the water cans because once you, those plants get growing you're going to be watering them every day yeah right? and the more you water the more you have to fertilize them because that exactly. fertilizer is just leaching out the pot exactly and if you want if you see those beautiful plants in the greenhouse the only reason they're like that is because they are they we have fertilizer on tap it's, it's like going, yeah. it's like it's like yeah it's like um it's an like IV line in IV us. line going <laughs> in and they got fertilizer coming to them all the time little bits of fertilizer and so when you take them home and you stop that then they're not going to look as vigorous and bright as they are in the greenhouse so you need to need to fertilize this. And that's one of the biggest complaints I get from people who have maybe been gifted a hanging basket for Mother's Day is it was so beautiful when I picked it up and it's not looking as bright and cheerful anymore. And it's usually because they haven't fertilized it. And usually also because they're getting overwatered because we like to over care for our plants a little bit when they're inside the house and maybe they're not getting as much sun and the wind is not as much as when they were outside. So really stick your finger in the soil, make sure they feel dry to the touch when you're before you water. Definitely. So in our yard as well, we have a honey crisp apple tree that we planted last year yes. it's just starting to put out buds and stuff what can i do right now to make sure it really has a good growing summer make sure this thing is strong and healthy all your fruiting plants like that don't use a 20 20 20 or 30 10 10 unless you just want to get a bunch of growth or you're not worrying about the fruit okay? okay otherwise there's a lot of fertilizers out there that are called basically fruit and berry fertilizers and what they are is a low nitrogen have a little bit higher phosphorus potassium but then they have magnesium boron zinc they have all the the one a days like we would normally take for ourselves yeah. right so it this makes it so that you have better tasting fruit and your your plants do way better and if you don't give them a high nitrogen they'll actually produce more fruit and when you're fertilizing and watering make sure you're fertilizing and watering at the drip line of the tree yeah, not at the at the trunk of the tree. Definitely. Okay, we're going to head back to the phone lines. We've got Paul in Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you today? Very good. Good. Uh, I got a couple quick questions. Um, Asparagus. Yes. I've had two feeds already, which I'm very impressed with. Good for you. (laughs) Um, As far as I was thinking of just sprinkling bone meal over top. Yep. Perfect. 
Okay. Bone meal or alfalfa pellets, those work great. Because yeah, they all have okay. calcium in them, right? And yeah. and to have good, good, strong, and healthy vegetables, calcium is a huge one to even take keep keep a lot of diseases away as well. But no, calcium is is huge. You put bone meal around them, just work it into the soil a little bit, just into the top surface. Uh, that that's huge for those plants. Awesome. Um, I was a question about hardening. I have uh, my sunroom is full. I have like about 140 plants in there. <laughs> Good for you. Now I'm not I'm not able to take them outside, but I have a big uh, a patio door. Yep. That's sufficient. Just open that up. Wide, with a nice wind. Nice cool wide breeze. open. Yeah, wide open. And and if you get some if you get some nights that are about five degrees, just leave that door open for the evening as well. Good okay. idea. I, I put a fan in front, too, yep. just to get that. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as you're above five degrees, just leave that door, even over open a crack, you know, like uh, just open up a couple, three inches. Yep. And or if it's higher in temperature than five, you know, like if it's up around eight, nine, ten, open that door wide open. And that way it'll help harden those plants off as well. Yeah, I, I have, I'm getting fruit and flowers on these plants. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, on my pepper well, plants. And you open those doors during the day, you're going to allow the bees to come in, right? And especially for your flowers, right? I'm picking them off. (laughs) You you can pick some of the flowers off right now um, and just allow the plant to get a little bit bigger, too. It will put more energy into the plant growth as well. Um, But just don't pick all of them off. Yeah, Yeah, because, well, I found, like, last year when I I did leave some fruit on there, I took them outside into the greenhouse. And they fell off anyway. Yeah, Yeah. that sometimes they're they're getting reacclimatized, so that will sometimes happen. Yes, for sure. All right. Okay. No, thank you so much for your your input, you guys. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. You too. All right. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call or send us a text, 1-877-332-8255. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk, and we've got a lot of calls and texts coming in. Right now we have Elaine on the phone in Spring Valley. Hi, Elaine. Hi, folks. How Thanks was, for taking my call. How was your rain down there, this. Elaine? How was your rain down there? Oh, we had two and two-thirds inches here in our oh, farm and our that's neighbors. That's a lot of rain. We can hear things growing now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yes. Just such a blessing. But anyway, Rick, I just wanted to to fill you in. I had asked a few weeks ago about my rose cherry tree. And uh, I thought about it and looked around the yard where there, we have a whole hedge, a, a long row of choke cherry trees, old choke cherry trees yep. that have been infested and all that stuff. Yep. And I thought, you know what, the the rose cherry tree has never looked better than when I followed your advice on, on adding stuff to the soil. Yep. So I decided I'm going to keep it as long as it lives. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I watered uh, fertilizer. I went back to my notes from you and watered yep. in... Uh, the, the fertilizers and yep. stuff, and I'm really pampering it. And I decided I'm going to keep it because I don't, you know, it, I, I can't protect any of the other trees around here. No, no, not at all. So, so you, how much is it oozing? Quite a bit, or? Well, it was, but I mixed up a concoction, and and it still is, I guess. Yep. I mixed up a concoction with uh, chili pepper sauce and black pepper yep. and mustard. Dry mustard. 
<laughs> and in Vaseline and, and flour and smeared it on all of the spots that were weeping just to, I guess, uh, my sister laughed and said, if, if that's a Mexican bug, that's the only one that'll go. <laughs> well, one thing that's good because that sap is going to have a virus in it, okay? Yeah. And so that'll at least keep the insects away so they don't spread the sap to other to that virus to other parts of the plant. So that'll right. help you just get a little bit longer, yes. Yeah, so I covered all of those spots. Yep. And and so I'm, I like I said, I'm hoping to... Uh, to keep it for for a few years, however long it lives, it'll, it'll live for quite a few years. It'll just start. But it never has yep. bloomed for me, Rick. It never has bloomed. Oh, that's strange. That is weird because it's so, self pollinating. It should bloom like crazy. Right, right. So I'm I'm hoping this will be the year. Uh, how I, how old is it? Oh, I think I planted it in '98. Oh, it's never bloomed. That's strange. It never has bloomed, but it didn't grow much either until until you told me what to do. Yeah, yeah. For it. And so it looks healthy. So and I. You know, this, I, I wanted to let you know that, but I also want to to compliment the Regina Dutch growers. I still haven't had a chance to take my friend there and show her the blooming apple tree yes. in, in the second building. <laughs> but the other day when we went to and from Regina, I could see that tree from the Trans-Canada Highway. <laughs> That's awesome. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yep. If you yeah, haven't stopped by Dutch Growers Regina, I mean, make sure that somebody, you listeners, stop by there. It's just that a, a sight to see. for Regina. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, Thanks again. Thanks, Lane. Thanks so much, Elaine. Have a great day. Okay, now we have Brian on the phone in Saskatoon. Good morning, Brian. Morning. How are you guys? Very good. Um, okay, I added pea moss and pyrolite. Yep. My uh, soil in the garden, like you had suggested. Yep. I was wondering, is that something uh, I have to do annually, or is once enough? No, uh, you're adding it to the garden, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, one thing you could do, the reason why you're doing it for it, was your garden really hard? Yes, like like a rock. Like a rock? Okay, so what you peat moss will break down really quickly. The perlite will stay there because it's a volcanic uh, product, okay? But what I say, if you want something more longer term, put some gypsum in. Okay. And even a little, grab a bag of, of cedar mulch. Of okay? what? Cedar, cedar mulch. Okay. Okay. So it's all sticks and everything else. Wood chips. Mm. Wood, like it's not wood. It's not big nuggets. It's actually mulch. So it's just strands of of, of wood, and but it's all cedar. Okay. And if okay. you rototill the gypsum and the and the uh, and the the cedar mulch in, you will have, uh, you won't have a hard garden at all. Like it it will just it'll keep softer all all summer long because what happens is in your type of clay you have. And it just it once you get some water into it because you're watering with a sprinkler and that all those little sand and that gets into the clay pores and then it just pl- plugs it all up and then it just turns into concrete. Now the okay, gypsum, good. the gypsum uh, and the quick, cedar mulch. Another quick question: yep. I've got a area in front of my house. It was a flower bed. I converted it into garden space. Yep. But it only gets a couple hours of direct sunlight every day because uh, because of a big tree. Last year I planted a. Uh, uh, tomatoes and cucumbers in there—they didn't do that well. Now yeah. I'm wondering if there's any vegetables I can plant You'll that wanna will do good in low light conditions. Yeah, that's a good question. If you have less than six hours of sunlight, um, you pretty much need ma- a minimum of four hours of sunlight to be able to grow anything as far as vegetables. But you can do your leafy vegetables. So try some herbs in that space, or some lettuce, spinach. Um, those types of leafy vegetables would be great in that space. But if you're trying to get fruit on there, like your tomatoes and zucchini and cucumbers. Yeah. You need at least a minimum of eight ten hours of sunlight. The beans and peas won't do that well no. there, so yeah. So we have. Okay. Well, le- thanks, guys. Okay. Hey, I hear you're shutting your show down for the summer. 
Nope. Oh, no. Not at all. No way. Two hours Not all summer long. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought I heard you were shutting it down for summer. That's nope. good to hear. Good. Thanks, okay. guys. Yep. Thanks, Brian. Summer is when you need Rick the most. So Rick and Jill will be here with you guys all summer long. Two hours every Sunday, yep. 9 until 11. All right, we've got James on the line in Saskatoon now. Hi, James. Hello. How are you guys? Very good. I have a question about a chestnut tree. I tried to, I'm not very much of a green thumb, but I do my best. Yep. I was at uh, Boston's Gardens in the University and picked a chest, couple chestnuts off the ground on yep. a tree, put them in my fridge for a few months, I just followed some instructions online, and was able to get them to propagate or yep. root. Root, yep. Um, so I have one in my house and one at my wife's, uh, our rental property, and it comes up every year. It only comes up about 18 inches, and come June or July, the leaves all turn brown, and it's pretty much toast for the rest of the year. Yeah, because what happens is they, the Ohio buckeyes, in, 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 especially in, in August, the leaves will scorch, okay? So you just yeah. have to watch the moisture level. You just have, need to make sure that the, the moisture level is higher at that time, okay? Because otherwise okay. they'll just they'll scorch on you. The Ohio buckeyes, I had one that did the same thing, but it was a dry land one. I didn't have any irrigation by it. And then if it got really hot in, in July or August, yeah, the leaves would just scorch at, you know, you see them along the veins and along the outside edge of the leaf. So you just have to watch the moisture. They don't like to be like boggy wet. They won't, don't like that at all, but they like to be moist, okay? okay? And so that's all you need to do and you won't get that scorching. Oh, okay. So there's no other. I was last year. I think I tried to cover it a little bit so the sun didn't hit it so hard. Yep. That, that Putting would, a little that umbrella up too, over but, top of but it. Just, just, just a little. Because normally what happens is they'll they'll put a tap root down. They'll get it into a water reservoir and they'll be fine, right? But okay. uh, but otherwise, just keep it on the not wet, but keep it always on the moist side, and you'll be. And also, when you're fertilizing it, you use more of a, um, almost like a like a, uh, a phosphorus potassium and not not as much high on the nitrogen side of it and then uh and then you also where about you where about you calling from i'm in saskatoon in saskatoon yeah so also use a little bit of aluminum sulfate around it okay, okay. And th- that'll just make them harden off it'll bring the ph of the soil down and it'll make it so that it can take up nutrients better as well okay perfect okay thanks so much awesome yeah. thanks for the call james okay we're gonna head over to the text line quickly this one is from bev in swift current which is better for putting in the row when i plant my garden bone meal or blood bone meal uh e- either one of them there's a lot of people that that swear there's not very people that use blood meal but there's a lot, a lot of people that swear by it a lot of people use blood yeah. meal if they're maybe trying to deter some rodents and animals well, as well, yeah, too. That'll help, too. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got those kind of things. But you can use either one of them. They'll both do really well. Perfect. Okay, and then Lane and Regina is having some issues with the wind by their house. They're wondering what would be a good choice of shrub to plant that would help block some of the wind. Would cedar be a good option? Yep. Something with that's nice and dense, or you can even use, if you want a shrub in for the summertime, that's, that's, that'll grow quickly. You can put in things like a like a honeysuckle or a cranberry, and the cranberries you'll get the fruit off of it as well. It'll get nice and nice and thick, or you can put a big Diablo nine bark, which has purple leaves on it. It grows very fast and about eight feet tall. So there's a bunch of plants that you could put in there that grow quickly and then give you some wind blockage. But you need obviously the room for it to grow so you can put it there as well. And Definitely. remember with cedars, you do need to do the winter maintenance on them too. Yep. So yes. just be prepared for that as well. For sure. All right. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call. one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk. And you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Divendijk, and we have Vanessa on the line in Vanskoy. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, how are you? Doing good. What's your question? Okay, so we have been trying to plant trees for years already, and we've lost hundreds of dollars because they keep dying on us. We have terrible soil and a lot of clay. Yep. So, like, we have started doing some tilling and putting wood shavings or, I guess, sawdust yep. in with and with the tilling. Now, is this going to help any our trees? And, and does this, these shavings have to be in the ground the for a year before we can plant trees? No, no, you can put them in there. Now, if, you're gonna, if you haven't started planting yet, what you want to do then in those areas is what I suggest, if your soil is that hard, how wet is it in the area that you're going to be planting? Does it get wet or does the water run to that area quite a it bit? Is, it is so dry. It's it's very dry, is it? Yeah, okay. and, and like uh, maybe just a a couple of feet of topsoil, and, and it's just hard, hard clay, and it's so frustrating. Okay, so uh, if you have a couple of feet of topsoil, the plant, the tree should do fine there. Just a matter of making sure that you get water to them. Okay, that's going to be the right. big one if it's dry. Now, the big thing you got to do is when you when you dig your hole, uh, you want to make sure that you whatever size of pot you have. If it's, yep. if it's that hard, you want to be minimum of the hole has to be twice as wide as the pot, okay, at least. Okay. And if you go far, the bigger the hole, the wider you go, the, the, the better the plant will do in the long run, okay? Okay. So even right. if you go three times as wide as the pot, the depth isn't as quite as critical as the width, okay? Okay. Okay, good to know. Yeah, and we're trying like with pine trees. Yeah, well, pine trees like it, they like more of a sandy soil, right? So you definitely want to go wider and then okay. put a good, get rid of that clay, throw it away and put some good topsoil to get started. Okay. Once you do that, you'll be fine, okay? Now, the only thing you want to say is that you want to, if you want to watch out where you're watering, because that clay will hold the water at the bottom of the pot, the bottom of the hole, like a bowl, okay? Okay, yeah. So you just got to watch, have a piece of, like I always say, a three-eighths piece of, three-eighths piece of rebar. And they're about three feet long, and use that as your probe. You stick right to the bottom of the planting hole, and bring it up. It'll bring a sample up, and then you'll know what the moisture is like at the bottom of the hole. Okay. okay? And always check before you water what the moisture is like down there. Okay. Right. And then, and then cover your area with uh, uh, just leave it black for the first year. Okay. And then okay. after that, put about three inches of mulch around the around the plants, and the top roots of the pine will grow into that mulch, and it'll it'll just not look back; it'll just go. Okay. okay. But but you say that we can plant um, where those wood chips have been uh, worked have in, been sealed in. Yeah, you can do that right away. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you okay. so much. You're welcome. Awesome. Thanks, Vanessa. Yep. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. All right, so we've got a text from Sarah in Kalonze. When is the best time to start spraying aphids on a maple tree? As soon as the leaves start emerging. Okay. Yeah, I have actually. I brought this with me to remind me. Ooh. All your I bought this called it's called Bug X Out, which is basically ambush renamed. Okay. Okay. And uh, or you can use this Endol. It's called Safer Safer's Endol. It's a canola oil. Uh, insecticidal soap pyrethrin mix and this one here is a straight uh, bug out bug x out or ambush is called is basically a pyrethrin and so aphids you want to get them it's very important to get them on their first cycle okay because aphids lay eggs in the fall it's very important that this you remember this they lay eggs in the fall and then those hatch in the spring right about when the leaves start pushing out and then they're they're when they hatch they're they're born pregnant okay oh. 
So now that's he, a nightmare. No, no, <laughs> he's got three kids. So it's a nightmare. Yeah. Okay. So now they don't lay eggs anymore. If it's during the summertime, they actually give birth to pregnant aphids again. Okay. So they're asexual. Okay. So, so you can imagine if you leave it, if you leave those aphids on there until the end of June, how many generations are you going to have already? Oh my gosh. So yeah. if you get those first generations now, you'll have way less problems as the summer goes along. Okay. Perfect. All right. Kathy is wondering when she can plant bulbs. If you're going to plant your bulbs, like your things, so your dahlias, your your uh, gladiola bulbs, that kind of stuff. Now that the temperature is starting to warm up during the day, the, the nighttime temperature doesn't really matter that much uh, when you're planting the bulbs in the ground. So you can start that right right now, or otherwise, if you have dahlias, if you're worried about the outside temperatures, start them in a pot right now. Get it's them. actually preferred to yep. start them in a pot indoors. Except because, for glads. Except for glads. Yep. But right now, what you want to do to get them going quicker for you is have warm soil temperatures is what's key to success with your bulbs. So if you put them outside into cold soil, they're going to sit there for a while until yeah. the, the soil warms up. So if you start them indoors, you'll get an earlier bloom time on those dahlias. But now that you see that the shrubs are starting to burst out and, yep. and that usually tells me the soil temperature is starting to get warm enough yes. where you can start putting them out like mm-hmm. once the leaves and your shrubs like your spireas and your dogwoods all that start to leaf out that means the Throw soil some te- garlic and some onion sets oh onion that. sets yeah. yeah put your even garden put your peas in right now all and that your root vegetables yeah. can start going yeah. in too absolutely Potato, potatoes go in right now Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, we're going to head back to the phone line. If you do have a question, give us a call, one 332 8255 We have Loretta on the line in Rosetown. Hi, Loretta. Hi there. Um, my question is, we wish to uh, trim the top of our blue spruce. Yes. And we're wondering when we can do this. Yep. Do we that. know we have to wait till it's dormant. Yes. But is it dormant after it sends out new growth? No, you can do that in 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 the end of July and all the month of August. Oh. Okay. Okay. That, well, that's that's great. And too. does it matter if it's a hot day or a cold day mm, or? Not really. Just make sure that after that you give it some water. But by that time the saps are going down. They're not going pushing up anymore because August they've already set their buds for next year. Okay. Oh, in okay. August. So then, but you don't want to do that in June whatsoever because that's when they're pushing all their new growth. So you don't want to trim it then. And you never yeah. want to fertilize your evergreens after August first. Yeah, right? that's that's correct. Okay. Okay, sounds great. Thanks Thank for the call, much. Loretta. Okay, we've got a text here from Pat in Saskatoon. My elephant ear plants have already blossomed. Is it too late for me to split and transplant them? You definitely, the burginia is what she's talking about as an elephant ear. There's lots of plants known as elephant ear in the garden industry, but the burginia is a perennial and it usually gets a, a pink flower on it. Um, I would say if the plant of the original size, it usually comes in like a four inch pot. If it's increase to about three times the size. It's best to do it when it's dormant, but you can actually take it out and do root division with the plant as well. So you just dig up a nice big root ball and divide the roots and separate it then. Make sure you're fertilizing it well, giving it some water, and you should be fine. This time of the year, I would just I would just take a slice off it in the ground and yeah. leave the rest there, rather than lift the whole thing up and split it. Yeah. Okay. If I was going to lift the whole thing up and split it, I would do that in the middle of of April, as soon as the snow disappears. Okay. Because they are they look they have green leaves all winter long underneath the snow. So everybody wonders, well, when are they dormant? Because they never lose their leaves, really, Yeah, right? and they're so, one of the, the more evergreen type perennials. Yeah, exactly. So. They're pretty cool, especially right now. They're blooming right now. It's um, Yeah, don't, don't take the whole plant over if they're blooming right now. Okay, mm-hmm. sounds good. Here is another text that breaks my heart a little bit. This one's from Renate. Hi, I have four apple trees that the deer found in the oh. winter. All of the bark is gone, including the bark on 
uh, the trunk and all of the branches. Is there any chance that it will come back? Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. If, if they've taken the bark all the way around, uh, the tree is done. If they just taken off a little bit on one side, then they'll be okay. But if it's all the way around the main trunk, even the branches are fine. They'll come back. But if done the main trunk, if they taken all the way around, whether the mouse did that or rabbits or deer or porcupine, um, sorry, they're, they're done. Um, the only reason that could happen if you want is that they have a graft on the bottom. Okay. So they didn't eat because there might have been some snow on the ground and they might not got right down to the ground. What, what can happen then is that you'll see that as the summer comes along, they'll leaf out. Okay, this spring. And then what'll happen is that as we get hotter in the summertime, that bark is like all the blood vessels, you know. And what'll happen, it'll, the leaves will dry up and it'll die. But you might get some sprouts coming from above the graft that was underneath the snow that they didn't get. And so that's the same apple tree. So you might get a little sprout coming off the side and it'll grow back up again. But that's now you got to wait for another five years to get apples, okay? So if you start from that point, so... You, you may, may want to just dig it out and start, it, start over start again because time is valuable. And then every year, put a fence around it. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Every, every October to, to May... You can take the fence off for the summertime, but you have for every October till May, you have to put a fence around it. Yeah, you got to protect those. Yep. All right. If you have a question, give us a call. one 332 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and we have Kathy on the line in North Battleford. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about an apple tree that I've planted. Yes. Uh, it's a combination apple, which yep. I just purchased this uh, spring. Yep. And it's already planted, but the bottom branch got damaged when we transported it. Okay. And it's not broken right off, but it is like a shredded looking. Okay. I tried wrapping it with an old nylon. Yep. But uh, I noticed this morning it's hanging. Okay. So yep. it would have to be removed. Now I need to know, do I cut it? Uh, before the break, or do I take it off at the main trunk? It's the bottom branch. It's the bottom branch. So, is is there a piece of is there a, is it painted right beside where the branch comes out of the main trunk, like a, a colored paint? No, okay. I don't believe so. Because sometimes they color paint in them to give the the paint just tells you what type of graft it was on that tr- on that branch. Okay. okay. So what you want to no, do is you, I, they're wrapped with little tags. Okay. Okay. That's that's fine. So that that branch has a tag on it. So what you want to do is you want to leave some of that branch sticking out of the main trunk. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if how if how close to the to the trunk is it is it uh, broken? The break is probably a foot and a half from the main trunk. Okay, so so just cut it back where the break is okay. and leave the rest there because you'll get some buds coming out of it and that'll yep. still be that variety. If you cut it right at the main trunk, you will lose that variety of I'll apple. Lose that variety. Okay. And my other question would be, do I need to paint the end of the cut with no, anything? No, it's that young, you won't have to. No, okay, nope. that's great. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for the call, Kathy. All right, now we have Pat in Saskatoon on the line. Hi, Pat. Good morning, Pat. All right, we're going to put... Oh, there you are, Pat. Hi, yes. what's your question? I'm here. Um, I took a, a pie plate out to my garden, and I had my sweet peas underneath a wet paper towel that had sprouted. Yep. And I brought the pie plate back in, and I didn't clean it up right away. And we were away for a couple of days, and now I have ants on my counter. 
So I'm wondering if you know how I can get rid of this uh, problem. I have cinnamon out sprinkled on the counter, and I read somewhere you could spray vinegar. But we don't want this to get any crazier than it is. Yep. So I'm just wondering if you have any ideas for me. So what, what you can do, I mean, you probably have that in in your in your uh, cupboard there. Do you have any borax? I think I have some downstairs. Yeah. If you got some borax, just mix some borax with some sugar. Right. right? And put it put it out by your counter there somewhere, somewhere where you, you know the the ants will come to, or down by the wherever they're coming from. You probably see a trail where they're coming from, right? on the counter just behind the taps behind the sink so so they're coming from somewhere so just put a little little uh bit of borax put a piece of wax paper down and put some borax with some sugar mixed in with together and they'll come and feed on that and take that back to the nest and then that will wipe out the nest yeah i'm hoping not to have to get an exterminator in here yeah try that that should work for you if you got most people have borax in their house so do some borax with some little bit of something sweet that you can, yeah. you know, mix with it, it's even some syrup or, you know, whatever right. you have. You have some Aunt Jemima there, put some of that with it, right? <laughs> so and then you'll set the breakfast table for them. Okay, a teaspoon of each, is that? Yep. that'll work perfect. Or? Nope, that'll okay. work perfect. Thanks for your help. Okay, try that. awesome. Yep. Thanks okay. for the call, Pat. All right, now we have Yvonne in Regina. Good morning, Yvonne. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, very good. Um, I, you just mentioned that uh, we could plant our potatoes now, so... Yep. I quickly went down and got my two box or boxes of potatoes from yep. downstairs, and they are really, really badly wrinkled yep. and that's fine. dehydrated, but yep. there are some sprouts. That's, that's uh, fine. Is, is that too bad? Like, can I plant that? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, now, I think a while back you said I could cut off the uh, sprouts that are you can, too long. You can nip, nip them off a bit, but don't take them 100% off, and just be careful when you plant them. Just don't break them off if you want them to get started a little bit quicker. And if oh, your okay. potato has uh, more than one eye on it, more than one sprout, you can actually cut it cut up it. into pieces and yeah. plant them individually. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. I, I have another question, and I just thought of it. Hopefully I can get to answer, uh, get yeah. to ask you. I uh, planted some canna, canna lilies about a month ago, okay. and they were quite fleshy, and, you know, uh, nothing, nothing's come up. They're, you know, under grow lights, and um, I've got others that I planted, and they're fine, but uh, these uh, six or eight that I planted... How deep did you plant them? Well, there's, at first I planted them according to what I read on, yep. on Facebook, but... Uh, then I realized that, oh, my God, I think they might be too deep. Yeah, they don't want to be too deep. two inches. So then I took some soil off, and they're still not doing anything. Yeah. Well, what I want you to do, too, is feel the bulb, too, and make sure that bulb is not it's still nice and firm and not mushy as well, too. Because if, if it got too wet at some point in time, it could have started rotting on you as well. Okay, I, I checked that out when I planted them, and they were solid. They were firm. Okay. And, okay. So what, know, if they haven't done anything yet, take them yeah. out of the pot again. Take them out of the pot yeah, again. And let that crown stick above the soil. Okay. Okay, not below the soil. And then okay. warm soil temperature is going to get them going for you. Not yeah. necessarily light until you start seeing sprouts, but the warm soil temperature. So yeah. putting okay. them on a register or somewhere warm will yeah. help you. And so as soon as they come out, do I start fertilizing? Yes, yeah. as soon as you start getting leaves. Okay, uh, the aphids are kind of bad for me right now. Yeah. I've got seven yeah. grow lights down there, and and whew, I go down there every morning to... Now, now, when you when you're watering, stick your finger right into the pot. Okay, yeah. right down as deep as you can with your finger, index finger. Uh-huh. If you feel moisture, don't water it. Don't water it. And okay. if you're having troubles with with aphids, make sure you have some Safers Endol on hand, and you can spray every ten days. 
Every, yeah, I have been. Actually, I saturate them. I bring them up to the kitchen sink, and I run the water, and I just want to get them out of the house. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, awesome. thanks for calling. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Yvonne. All right, we've got Paul on the line in Carlisle. Hi, Paul. Hi there. Good morning. Uh, yes, I have two crab apple trees at my farm. Yep. And um, they bloom, and then I have no apples, and it's been like the last four or five years. Okay. Trees are about nine feet tall okay so now a question for you are they both the same variety yes okay so you need to get a third variety then because what happens is that if you bought them both at the same time there's a chance okay. there's a good chance that they were uh they were especially you bought them from the same garden center of the same variety there's a chance they were, they were cloned together from the same budwood okay that means they can't cross pollinate okay so, okay. That, these, so like, go ahead these trees are fairly old yep and but there, but uh, this, there is a lot of trunks coming out from the main. Yep. I was just thought if yep, no, you'll need another apple tree. Down, you'll but. need another apple tree, and also by pruning. But it, you say it's flowering, right? Yes, they it are flowering. Every year. No, you're not getting cross pollinization. So get yourself another apple tree, and uh, of a different variety. Different variety. So in a good. La- I don't know what you, I'm not variety, sure what variety you have. What variety do you have? Do you remember? No, I don't. Okay. No. So get yourself, a, if you're out in the farm, good ones that will work very well for you is get a Goodland or a, a Prairie Sensation, okay, or a September Ruby, one of those three. They'll, they'll do very well on the farm. And uh, you okay. get the cross-pollinization, and what you watch, you'll get lots of fruit next year because you're going to be too late for this year for the flowers, okay? Right. Okay. Okay. That, uh- that's the only way you're going to get them. We need some apple pie out of those trees this year. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much for the call, Paul. Have a great day. All right. If you've got a question, give us a call. 1-877-332-8255. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. And you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. And we have Barbara on the line right now in Regina. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. What's your question? I have a large hibiscus in the house. It's about five and a half feet tall. And I'm at my wit's end. It hasn't flowered for maybe three to four years. Okay. Um, What kind of sunlight are you giving it? They prefer a bright, sunny location, so a west or a south exposure. Right in the sun. Yeah, it actually is. Uh, We're... We... um, it would get a south exposure. Okay, so that would be perfect. The other thing that you want to do is you want to make sure you're fertilizing it regularly. And with hibiscus, I find that they actually like organic fertilizers better than the water-soluble fertilizers because they don't like the salts that are in the fertilizers. So um, use an, switch to an organic fertilizer, something for a blooming plant is what you'll want to do. Go to the garden center. There's a good line of fertilizers called Evolve, um, and they have a great one for blooming plants. Um, I would pick up some of that. And then when you're watering it, really watch your watering. Stick your finger into the soil about up down to your second knuckle. Make sure it feels dry to the touch before you're watering. And also fertilize and try upping your fertilizer maybe even to, to once a week if you're, if you're, fertili- if you're watering quite a bit. I water it once a week, and I have um, one of those gauges that you put in to see if it needs water. Okay, so that's perfect. So if you're watering it once a week, maybe fertilize twice a month, okay? And then the other thing that you can do is if you want to take... 
take a pair of scissors or pruners and trim off the tips of your hibiscus. That will help promote some new growth, and that's where the blooms will come is off the new growth. Yeah, to take, if it's I five, actually did. I actually did cut it right back because it was getting really, un, you know, unruly because it's in my kitchen, so it kind of takes up a lot of spot. Um, and and I got some beautiful new new uh, shoots out of it. Well, it yep. sounds like you're doing everything right, so I would switch to that organic fertilizer. Um, do it about once every second week. Watch your watering, and I think you should be getting some blooms on it this year. What what size pot should I have it in? It uh, depends on how much root growth you have. So if it's a, quite a large pot, um, you're seeing the roots come to the surface of the soil, you can bump it up into a larger pot, but don't go any bigger to, than one to two inches bigger in diameter at a time. Okay, I... Uh... Okay, I've got it in a 17-inch pot. It's about 15 inches deep, and I don't see the roots on the top yeah, That's of a it. fairly large yeah, pot. So fine. I think you'll be fine in that size of pot, unless yeah. it's like um, a 12-foot tree. You should be fine in that size of pot. Oh, okay. And if you're still having troubles, feel free to send us a picture or email us at info at com, and we can help you out a little bit more there Having a looking at a picture of the plant, too. Okay, so it's Evolve. Evolve yeah. is the brand name of the fertilizer. Yes. Okay. For blooming. For blooming okay. plants. Yep. And you're thinking uh, twice a month fertilizer. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. For sure twice a month. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Have yep. a great really day. Helpful. Thanks so Thank much, you. Barbara. All right. We're going to head to the text line now. If you do have a question, feel free to give us a call. one 332 This one is from Evelyn in Regina. Evelyn is getting on the alfalfa pellets train. Rick, you converted me last year okay. and I'm never going back. So she's just wondering, how do you make the tea? Okay, hey, basically the tea, I mean, it depends if you're outside or inside, but a lot of people will make it inside then just basically eighth cup, an eighth cup of, of, of one eighth cup of pellets yeah. per liter of water. Okay, then let it soak overnight. Okay, so stir it, stir it in your liter, give it a shake, you know, or stir it. Let it sit overnight for indoors, and then and if you're going to do house plants and that kind of stuff, uh, sit overnight, and then give it a stir again in the, in the morning when you go f- before you're going to water, and then water your plant, and then use that all up. Don't let it sit. Some people like to let their water sit for a while, but it'll turn moldy on you. Now, if if you're doing a, out in the garden, I just put two two cupfuls in a five gallon pail, and I stirred it up, and then I just let it sit overnight, let it stew, let it let it steep, basically, just like you're just like you're going to do a soup overnight or tea overnight. Let it steep overnight, and then uh, do it, uh, stir it up really well again in the morning, and then go. I went outside and just poured it onto my plants, and then if there's extra pellets in, I just let them go into the ground around the plants, and then just worked it into the soil a bit, and then the plants did awesome. A whole new meaning of having people over for some tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no doubt. Hey, let's and, water the garden today. <laughs> let's make some tea. And you don't need to strain it off or anything. Nope, I know nope. people usually ask about yep. that, but just put all of that yep. goodness you, you right into You can for your house plant. plants. If you want to strain it off your house plants, then you could do that. And, and then you could, you know, um, put put the rest of that out in the garden or whatever, or but or it, that's if you don't want it just sitting on the top of the soil. But yeah. I mean, we've done it where we just left it on top of the soil too. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, people are going to be putting the gardens in this week. Okay. Yes. So if you want it in your garden, basically you're going to go two and a half pounds. Okay, per hundred square feet of your garden, okay. and you're going to work that into your garden. Okay, and then you'll have an amazing garden as well.
Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay, here's another text. This is from Stu from Regina Beach. I've got a raspberry patch and I cannot get the weeds under control within the patch. They're leafy. They could be some kind of clover. What do I do? I try to pull them out and they just come back. Would I get, would I be able to get a small paintbrush and carefully touch them with Roundup? Absolutely. That, that, that'll work perfectly. That That's would be brilliant. the best suggestion. Yep. Even one of those sponge paintbrushes, yep. dip it in a small thing and paint it right on the, on the, on the, green of the leaves. Okay, perfect. Here is another one from Lynn from Saskatoon. You can tell everybody's getting out into the yard and wanting everything to look good. Lynn is wondering, is it too late to power rake, vacuum, and aerate? My grass isn't looking as green as the neighbors. Get her her done. (laughs) Get her done and then fertilize. And I know a lot of the companies that are doing that, they're they're booking up right into June. So they're still going to continue to do it right up until June. Not a problem. Yep, definitely. Okay, Betty from Musiman, could you give me some suggestions for trees to border a property that has high water levels? Something tall and narrow with deep roots. Uh, the problem is, is that at a high water level, you don't want something with deep roots. You want more shallow roots, okay? okay. So um, so what you can, there's a couple of plants you can do if you've got a high water table, so like a willow, okay? That'll do fine in those areas. An alder, A-L-D-E-R, will do fine in those areas. Uh, things like cranberries and dogwoods will do fine in those areas. Uh, for shrubs, if you want to put, put something in between. But in the trees, uh, if it's really that high water table, especially... Uh, and what you should also do is when you plant them, you should add a, a sulfur-based fertilizer, an elemental sulfur-type based fertilizer or aluminum sulfate. Because when you have a high water table, your, your, your pH is going to be high. It's going to be more alkaline type of soil. And so you need to lower that pH of the soil, and your plants will do a lot better. Kate, sounds good. This is a text from Linda. Is there anything I can do to keep our dog from digging holes in the flower beds by the front entrance? Okay, you can. A couple of things you can do is is putting in a product. All it's called Critter Ritter. Okay, uh, if you remember, we had a caller a little while ago. She put some mixture of of peppers and cayennes and all that kind of stuff right around the you know around her wounds or plant because you keep yeah. bugs away. Well, those kind of things will help keep the dogs away from that area too. Otherwise, you're gonna have to put a little fence up. You know, it doesn't need to be a very tall fence and you'll stop the, you know, once you stop the, the, the routine of the dog, then you'll be able to get them not going And that's there the again. biggest thing with any pets. It's, it's all about routine. routine. So making sure that if they're in that area, you're getting them out right away. Don't let them play in that area. Those types yeah. of things. Definitely. So on our front lawn, we have a neighbor's dog who loves to come and visit and always pees on our lawn. Yeah. So we've got a lot of spots right now. What would you recommend for that? So for that, basically what you do to, to prevent prevent those spots from happening you use you use a dog called dog spot prevent it's made by that same Evol company it's an organic fertilizer company out of winnipeg so it's more of a local i call local when it's made in the prairies for for gardening yeah. items and so put that on the on the grass as well as your fertilizer and then that'll help prevent that from happening again okay from the burning otherwise you can do things if you want to you know change the pattern of the dog and maybe the owner too <laughs> is that you can put one of those scarecrows out there and what a scarecrow is you hook it up to the water hose and it's on a motion detector and as soon as the dog comes onto your lawn it's going to turn on and give them a little bit of a shower okay 
And if it doesn't work for the dog, just move it a little closer to the sidewalk and hit the owner at the same time. <laughs> there so. we go. Great plan. <laughs> All right. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call. one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. Today the studio is looking extra pretty because Jill, you brought in a bunch of plants for me to admire. I did. <laughs> when I heard you were coming today, Brittany, I was like, oh, I'm bringing some plants to Just show her what's, what's <laughs> happening in the greenhouse here. You need to be able to see it sometime. Now, one of the things we we're talking about in the break is about strawberry plants. And there's a few different strawberries, some that are new and some that are older. So the, if you're used to planting strawberries and you want a good perennial variety, um, some good varieties that I like are uh, Everberry variety called Seascape. You get a nice size strawberry on it. produces all summer long and there's another one called TriStar. So those are perennial varieties. But we have these new annual varieties that they're not quite hardy here per se, but they do great in pots. And they are bred because they have cool flowers on them. So you can get the same variety. They're called Buried Treasure. And uh, they you can get them in a pink flower and a white flower and also a red flower. So putting these in a pot, you're not only going to get the fruit on them, but you're going to have these beautiful flowers that's going to look great as well. Um, I put these in my pots in a hot sun. They were brand new last year. Put them in a hot sunny location and my kids were able to pick fruit off of them all summer long. So definitely plants with a purpose, putting these plants into pots and using them right off your doorstep. Now Rick mentioned, well, maybe you can bring them in for the winter. Um, you know, you could, but at $5 a plant, I think that I probably just would enjoy them for the season. Yep. Get rid of them like my flowers and start over with fresh ones. Well, and $5 a plant, that's basically like going to the grocery store and getting a clamshell of strawberries Or even right less now. than that, right? Huh. Yeah. yeah. So and you this can, way you have them all summer long. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they go to the garden center, they look at the price, they go, ooh, that, that's a lot. And you think about it, I go for coffee or even at Starbucks and some people get a Starbucks every day and it's maybe 6 to $7 now for a Starbucks coffee. Well, you can put a plant in your yard that maybe is permanent for that price. Yeah. So like thinking about how you can keep transitioning things and putting things into your yard that have a purpose and that you can use and you can maybe plant some yummy basil in your yard and make your own pesto and um, make your own appetizers or tomatoes, like some great varieties of of tomatoes. Like you said, clamshells of, of vegetables are expensive. So plant a tumbler tomato. Now I have this one here and it's actually already starting to get fruit on it already. So tumblers are great. Look at that little guy. Um, you Orange. can pot and it has fruit growing on it. Already. Has fruit growing on it. Yep. These plants are now bred so that we can grow them in containers and we can use the them so early in the season so that we have almost a 50 day um, to, to fruiting now. Whereas most of the vegetable plants used to be like 120 back at some of the heirloom varieties. Yep. So a lot of people will say, I want an heirloom variety. And I'll be like, that's great. But some of these newer hybrid varieties, they're grown so that we can extend the season. We can use them earlier. Yeah, gardening with more of a purpose seems to really be catching on just mm-hmm. with the rising cost of everything, especially especially at the grocery store. But something I learned my lesson last year, I went very heavy on like vegetables and everything, and I kind of neglected planting flowers, what? which means I was having to pollinate all of my tomatoes oh. by myself. Yeah. Uh, so you have to remember, too, to really like make sure to bring in some flowers, not just for aesthetics, but also to attract those pollinators. And you know what that container you can even grow a marigold in amongst your vegetables in yeah. your container right? and that's been one of the biggest trends we've been seeing too is 
go outside the box, think outside the limit, put your strawberry plant and put maybe some petunias and have it sort of your regular container that you have, but add something different to it. Have some parsley growing off the side and that's great texture plant or add some dill to a container and that gives you some great height in the center. So let's just add some different things. Um, Swiss chard, what beautiful colors you'll get on Swiss chard that looks fabulous in a container with maybe some million bells pouring out the side. So there's so many different things you can do. You can use those plants and remember the more you use some of those leafy plants like your lettuce, your basil, your your mint, your your um, dill, the more they're going to produce for you as well. Perfect. All right. We have Bryce on the line in Saskatoon. Hi, Bryce. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I have uh, some Northwest poplars. Yep. And it looks like there's like a red nodule coming out of where the leaves would come out of. Yes. Or like almost like a little red flower type thing. Yep. Yep. I, I don't know. Is this something I can do about that, or do I got to cut down my trees? Or? No, no, what it is, it's, it's called an aphid gall, okay? Okay. And okay. so you just have to control the aphids during the summertime. Okay. Because that's what's happening, is that they basically were, were, were sucking on, on those leaves the, the pre- year previous, and okay. they're putting a spit into them, and that's causing a, this little hormone growth in there that, that now that's what's coming out, and I'm hearing quite a bit about that right now. Oh, so, okay, yeah, because I was wondering what the heck it was, and I yeah. didn't know what to do. I was picking them off, but yeah. I don't know if that's good or yeah. bad. No, that, that's fine. You can pick them off because that, that's where the aphids were all gathered for the wintertime. That's where they laid their eggs and all that kind of stuff, okay? Oh, but okay. If, you can, if you can control your aphids by either spraying or getting ladybugs or or using the uh, prey mantis, you can release into them as well. Uh, oh, really? and, you know, Some okay. other insects will eat those aphids. And then okay, if you... And- you can, can I buy those insects? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah we it, even sell praying mantis at the store. It's praying mantis we sell at the store. You, you get a little pouch that has a whole whack of them in there, and they just go and they start feeding like crazy. They don't live for the over the winter time, but they they will for that summer. They'll eat like crazy. Uh, All they, right, then I'm going to hang up with you, and I'm going to drive to Dutch Growers right now. Okay, <laughs> we'll see you there in yeah. a bit. Thanks so okay, much thanks, for the. Thanks for all you guys. Great show. Yeah. Thank thanks, you. Bryce. Bye bye. All right, so we have. A ton more texts coming in. Uh, this one is from... Ooh, I lost it. Sorry, guys. All right. From Donna. Good morning, Rick. Have you heard of potato bins for growing potatoes? Yeah, you can... We don't have much garden space, so we were thinking of trying this, but I'm a little confused as how the potatoes on the bottom level grow. Well, because what you do is your potato bins have little holes on the side of them. So you can even make a potato bin out of a pa- old pallets yeah. if you wanted to, right? So as long as the leaves and that can come out the side. And there's there's potato bags, there's potato pots, there's all kinds of things. And a lot of them have the potato bags and pots have a little, what I call, you know those old granny pajamas they used to have, a gran- grandpa pajamas, they yes. had a little trap door in the back so you could go to the, you know, the one-piece ones? Well, these, these pots have a one-piece, like a little trap door so you can go in and sneak some potatoes out. We have one pot that you can use. It's a two-piece pot, and what happens is, is a solid plastic pot on the outside, and it has an insert that goes on the inside, which has all slits on it, right? So you plant your potato in that, and then you grow your potato, and then as you want to harvest it, you lift the inner pot out, and then you expose all the potatoes on the side, and you can start stealing some on the side. And this is only a smaller pot for a patio, okay? So, but like I said, you can make one out of a out of old pallets if you wanted to. So one of the thing when you're planting your potatoes in a pot, it's important to plant your potato at the bottom. And just like you would mound them in the garden, you plant it. And as the potato plant grows, you, you add, add soil, soil to mound around the potato yep. plant. 
And that seems to be another trend is finding ways to garden, even if you have a smaller space. Like even if you don't have a gigantic garden, there are still ways to plant potatoes. If you want to look up urban vegetable gardening or square foot gardening on Pinterest, there's so many great ideas of how you can maximize your space. You could grow in in a five gallon pail. Drill, take a round hole saw and drill some holes in the side, right? And so that the the oxy potato sprouts will grow at the side of the pail, right? You can even have a handle on it. You can move that pail around as long as you're in the sun. Have good drainage, lots of sunlight and fertilizer. Bunch of holes. And then at the end of the season, you dump your pail out and out all all your potatoes are on top. That's the thing, though. Again, we talk about fertilizer a lot on this show. But when you're vegetable gardening in a container, you're watering constantly. So you're going to want to up your fertilizer even more than you would in the garden. So if you're just using bone meal in the garden, um, it's actually not good enough for a container. You'll want to up it with an additional fertilizer for your container. We came up with a new fertilizer just for potatoes. Because a lot of really? a lot of potatoes, there's no fer- type of fertilizer. You put too much organic matter, you get uh, uh, potato scab and that kind of stuff. So we have a, a one that's very low nitrogen, higher phosphorus, potassium, and some sulfur in it, which will help your potatoes uh, do way better. Perfect. All right. If you have a question, feel free. You've still got time to give us a call. one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe. I'm here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call. one 332 8255 Right now we have Joe on the line in Prince Albert. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. I've got a couple of rose glow shrubs that uh, seem to make it. I planted them late in the fall last year. Yep. Seem to survive through the winter. I've got new growth coming on about halfway up the branches. And I'm kind of thinking the top half or third is dead. Yep. Now, that, is that a rosy glow barberry? Is that what you said you have? Yes, it is. Okay. So, um, so what you want to do is that you, you actually, it's, it's, I would wait a little bit longer, especially up in Prince Albert. You're, you're probably two weeks behind what it normally should be for temperature right now. Okay. okay. So, uh, leave it for a bit or, and then, and then in about another week's time or so, then just trim off anything that's, that didn't sprout. Okay. Oh. Okay. And you can do that, do it in about a week's time from now. Or what you can do, you can take your, your pruners out there and just give the, the bark a little bit of a nick where you think it's dead. If it's brown underneath, it's dead and trim it off. If there's green underneath or a little bit of purple even, yeah. uh, then just leave it. It'll still sprout out. You'll usually okay. find that, that that plant does get some winter kill yeah. on it. So trimming yeah. it back is something you'll definitely want to do to promote new growth for the following And then season. you get, with the rosy glow, you'll get that new variegated sort of, uh, you know, pinky, white, variegated it's new so growth. It's so pretty. On the, on the rosy glow. So trimming it back, they love it anyways. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, just uh, another quick one. Uh, yep. I came across a couple of bags of what's called red mulch. Yes. Is, is that something I'm okay? I thought it was more decorative, but is it actually organic that it'll break down into the soil? It'll, it'll break down, but it takes, takes long because they've been sprayed with a dye, okay? Yeah. And so it just takes longer. That dye is safe, but you, it takes longer for it to break down than normal stuff. So, But it still works for aerating your soil. Oil and those kind of things, it still works there, and also just keeps helps keeps the weeds down. Uh, but a lot of people will put a fabric down before they put the, the the decorative bark down. But I like I like putting it just thicker, like three inches thick, and just yeah. letting it break down, and it actually lets air into the soil. Where you put the fabric down, which is a woven plastic, it actually yeah. with with the uh, uh, with bark, uh, it 
it actually help, does a disservice to the plant, okay, by putting the fabric down. The, yeah. only, the only time I like using fabric is if I'm putting rock down, like, you know, like a decorative rock. Right. But any right. kind of wood product, I'll just put it right on top of the ground. Perfect. Thanks a lot, you okay. guys. Yep. Thanks so much, Joe. Okay, Rick, I have a question of my own now. We're going to be putting mulch in our flower bed out front yep. because I'm tired of picking weeds constantly yes. all summer. How thick of a layer should I be putting down? Three inches. Okay. And then when you come against the plant, go down to one inch okay. against the trunk of the plant. Okay, so and not, another thing that people usually do is they'll put landscape fabric down and with mulch you actually don't want yeah, to put exactly. landscape fabric down. Just okay. three inches thick, that'll keep that'll keep if you only put it one inch thick, the weeds will come right through it. Okay. Three inches thick, you, you you'll have the odd weed that come through it, but then you just grab them with your fingers and they just pull out. Nice so easy. I just love it. Weeding my yard is so fast and easy. Yeah. I just go around, pick, 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 and it's just done so quickly because they just come out like butter. Nothing. Yeah. Well, and I want to be able to get my kids to help and not be full of dirt yep. by the end of oh, yeah. our weeding session. Perfect. So this will be perfect. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we have Linda on the line in Regina. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. I was just listening to you talk about uh, container planting with potatoes, which we have been doing. Yep. Now, you had talked about a fertilizer. Yes. So you said something that you had come up with? or yep. This is a fertilizer more for, for planting in the garden, okay, uh-huh. like out in the soil. This fertilizer here, uh, because you have to use a little bit different fertilizer. If You could use the same fertilizer as well, because, uh-huh. but you don't have the sulfur problems in, in the container as you do out in the garden, okay, with what you need the sulfur for. So, but you could just go, you could switch just to an organic fertilizer like the alfalfa pellets or a vegetable organic fertilizer. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what you, we've if been you using do. using alfalfa. Yeah. If you do. No, that's enough for a, pota- for, a yeah. say for a pot of potato. Like we've been uh, planting Alps. them in like plastic containers, plastic, yeah. big plastic yeah. bins or whatever. Yep. Alfalfa and, pellets or organic uh, vegetable fertilizer, that's perfect for the pot. If you're doing it in the ground, with the potatoes, then use this other fertilizer that that's basically made for the the soil. Okay, and you're Rob? not going to find that potato fertilizer everywhere because we formulated with uh, about 60 garden centers across Canada. Yeah. So oh. right now in Saskatchewan, I believe the only places you're going to find it is in Dutch Growers Regina and Dutch Growers Saskatoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was more worried about the but what to put in the pot. But yeah. we have been we've been using alfalfa nope. pellets for quite a few years now. Yeah. So that's we'll just, I guess continue with that. Continue with that because you don't have the issues of the pH issues. As you in the pot, as you do in the ground, right? Okay, right. And you said you can put in. Well, it's too it's too cold and it's pretty wet. But you you were talking about root vegetables like carrots and beets and turnips and all that. Yeah, especially you can put in your peas right now for sure. Yeah, I did that. Okay, and your potatoes, and uh-huh. you might even be able to start a little short row of lettuce. You know, because you don't want to put all your lettuce in at one time. Yeah, I, I like to divide it up into four plantings. Right. You know, and so you could put your first planting in now if you wanted to as well. Yeah, well, I put in my garlic and onions and peas. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah perfect. Thank you. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much Thanks. for the call, Linda. All right, we have a text here from Kat in Saskatoon. With the alfalfa tea, how often should I be putting it on my mixed flower beds? On your mixed flower beds, you basically can go about every third or fourth watering. But with your flower beds, if yeah. you're wanting to get a lot of flower in their annuals, you want to up your fertilizer a little bit more than just the, the just the alfalfa tea to keep them reblooming, especially with your hybrid plants like your petunias, million bells, all of those ones that are grown for vigor. Um, so I would fertilize once a week um, with, with a 2020-20 fertilizer as well on top of the alfalfa. Because the alfalfa pellets will give you all your calcium, magnesium, boron, all zinc, and mag- you know all those other micronutrients, which which your 2020-20 the other ones don't have all that. 
right? So by but but like Jill was saying, if you got a very vigorous plant like a like a potato vine or a, you know a way petunia, way petunias. I mean, those things are just feed me, feed me. So you know, you almost you, can't overfeed. Them. You have to give them a little bit more. For sure. All right. Here is a text from Cynthia. I have an amaryllis that just finished blooming with five beautiful blooms. What should I do with it now so that it will bloom for Christmas? All right. So what you can do is you can take it outside. Well, you want to enjoy it inside for a little bit longer. Wait until the stem dies back down and then you can take it outside and plant it into your garden. And uh, when though? Uh, you can when yeah. the nighttime temperatures yeah. are about ten degrees, <laughs> yeah. plant it in. So leave it inside for a little bit. Plant outside in sort of a east location. Enjoy the leaves and everything like that. And then once the sort of the the frost um, starts coming in about September, when we start getting those colder nights again, it's going to start going dormant on you. Dig it up, bring it in, cut back the leaves, and put it into cold storage for about six to eight weeks. Um, that's going to help promote that new growth on it. Then take it out, plant it up again, and it will be blooming by Christmas. Yep. Perfect. Okay, here's a question from Eunice from Saskatoon. I'm not sure what the best way to get rid of my ant problem is. One friend says ambush. The other one says ant buster. What's the difference between the two? Ambush is only going to kill what you contact. Okay. Okay, so it, it basically it affects the nervous system of all crawling insects. So then it basically they just die. They you watch them fall in the back. They get the little wiggle and they eventually die. And what ant buster is? It's a nematode. So it's it's a, basically another bug which goes after the ants. So the the if you want to go after the nest, then you use the 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 uh, the nematode. Okay. It's a little comes in a little round sphere ball, and then you have to make sure that you wherever you have the ants, it won't work. Doesn't uh, ant buster doesn't work in patio stones? Let's say it's more in a lawn. It's in a lawn or the garden or in in the shrub bed uh, or you know against the house where you can soak the ground first because you know the ant nest is down probably around eight to twelve inches in the ground. Okay. And so you have to soak the area first so that you because ants when they make a big nest they dry out the soil. They aerate it, right? So it's really dry. Nematodes can't go through dry soil. So you want to moisten that area first, put the nematodes on, they'll wiggle their way down to the nest and they'll start eating all the eggs, all the little larvae inside the eggs. And then what will happen is the queen will say, okay, there's something going on here. I'm out of here. And she just basically takes it. And what happens sometimes, they take an egg with them. Ooh. And the egg has the worm already inside of it. So then now that just keeps going and... Pretty soon, the the queen ant just moves totally out of the area because I say this is this so is ridiculous. This in answer more... to the question, one of them does it on contact. The other one's more of a yeah. a bug that's going to do the work for you, for you, and it will help prevent it from getting worse. Yeah. Perfect. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. The studio's looking extra beautiful. Jill brought in a whole bunch of plants. You've got to tell me a little bit about some of the things you brought in, Jill. Yeah, well, I brought these in because it's definitely the time to pick up your annuals. And I wanted to showcase some of um, the, the newer plants that we have and some things that um, if you're a new gardener, maybe you want to try something different or you want something that you're sure to be successful with. So the first one that I have here is I have this pack that we've created with our growers and we have lots of gardeners who come in and they're just, they're starting from scratch and they're just like, you know what? I just have some pots I want to fill. 
I just want something that's guaranteed to be successful. So we've created these six packs and they have six different plants in this one pack. And you can plant this all into a container together and you will have an instant beautiful container. So we've already formulated, put all the different companion plants together so that you have that filler, thriller and spiller, all those three components all together, either for sun or for shade. We have pollinator packs. We have um, a pack for our weddings. If you're wanting all whites, we have that too. So there's lots of different ways that you can sort of make gardening easy. So this is one thing that we have. The other one that I brought is um, these cool pollinators. And this guy here is called a cigar plant or Kufia vermilionaire. And I planted this along with salvia in my garden and it attracted the hummingbirds and and butterflies like crazy. So if you're I don't need pollinators in your yard, this guy here, Kufia, it's almost has like a cigar type looking um, orange exotic flower. What's the common name for that one? Uh, Kufia is the Latin name, Um, but uh, cigar plant is the common name, and vermilionaire is the variety. Okay. Um, Coleus, like the colors are just stunning on this leaf. Yeah. Um, It's great for the shade and king of the shade, and like the chartreuse color and speckled with the burgundy on this one that I have in front of me. The yellow leaves, they almost look like they're 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 painted. They're painted, right? All little red paint blotches in it. It looks pretty cool. One of the things with coleus is when you get them, I always pinch out the tip of the plant, just like so. And it might seem like, oh no, what's she doing? But that's going to make your plant sturdier and healthier. And it's going to make it thicker and stand up to the wind a lot better. Where are you going to plant this? This will go in a shady to part sun location. Um, There is some coleus, the ones with more lime on them, that will do well in a more sunny location now too. Um, another one that's brand new um, to us is called a Super Cal. Now, if you've ever planted a Calibrachoa, which is this guy here. Another name for them? Uh, super uh, Calibrachoa or Super Bells. Super Bells, yep. Um, and uh, if you planted one of these guys, uh, it's like a mini petunia and they're, yeah. they're covered in flowers. So what they've done is they've bred a super a calibrachoa and a petunia together. So you're getting a mid-sized flower, but you're having the compact foliage on it. So um, it's called a super cal and it's brand new. We only have a few different colors in it, um, but you can get this nice, almost iridescent purple color. And a cin- they took the orange petunia off the market about three years ago and they have one called cinnamon now. And it's the closest thing to an orange petunia that we have. So that's really pretty too. Another one that I brought in in this in the studio here today is a trailing begonia, and it's so pretty, beautiful for sort of a shady location. And a lot of people will have the begonias and the, they're upright, but this one here is great for a hanging basket, and it has such a large bloom on it. If you see this bloom here right now, if I hold it in my hand, it's about maybe the size, a little bit smaller than the palm of my hand right now, but it will cover the whole entire palm once this plant gets bigger. The flowers just get bigger and more vibrant, and I have it in like a bright orange, a pink, and sort of an apricot white. Shady location. Shady location for that. So there's just a few plants that I've brought in sort of just to get us excited. But there's so many new varieties that I'm seeing. My gr- The greenhouses, if you go across Saskatchewan, are packed with plants right now. So take a tour around and sort of see what's new in the greenhouse. Ask questions and, uh, yeah, get excited to try something. I love the pack that is all pre-assembled, put together, because I'm a relatively new gardener. I've just been getting into it. And it can feel a little bit overwhelming to walk into a greenhouse and kind of just be guessing what these plants are going to look like when they get bigger. So to have someone be able to tell me, plant this and you'll look like a master gardener, that's like a dream. (laughs) Exactly. And it's also nice because you get such a variety in there. So if you want to try something new, it's great for those gardeners who maybe have been gardening for years, but they want to try little bits and pieces of some of these new plants because we always try and get all the newest varieties in those packs.
Definitely. Okay, Rick, what, hey, what is in your hands right now? Well, last night I was in, uh, <laughs> at, at a backyard birthday party, okay? <laughs> and uh, the, neighbor, the person that had the party there, they were seeing that I have lots of problems with a sap sucker coming into my, my Amir cherry. And all these, so he lost a bunch of branches already because they put so many holes in. Now th- that migration is just coming right now. You're okay. freaking me out right now. He's got an owl in I his hand, and it's got a wobbly head on it, yeah, and the head's literally head. spinning around, <laughs> and circles. he's wobbling it around here. So, Rick, tell us a little so, bit about so what this does. To, to stop that, that bird that bird from coming around, I like putting it around in the spring, because that's when the, mainly the sapsuckers are a problem. Otherwise, they move way up north, and not a problem right here, but they'll be here for, for a while. And they'll do a lot of damage. So I put the scarecrow owl up. I won't leave it for the whole year because it will chase away the, 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 the songbirds as well. Okay. Cause it's a natural predator, but this one has a bobble head. So the ones you see that have just a straight attached head that doesn't move doesn't work very well. But what he also used in the yard to stop it, he bought, um, a disco ball. Oh, really? You know, like a ball you hang up there, like that, you know, you put in your room and you put a light against it yeah. and it puts little disc, you know, little disco lights. Well, the sun reflects off that. And then, of course, it spins in the wind and makes all these little flashing lights, right? And the birds hate that. You'll see that actually on top of some of the gas stations and things yeah. like that. They'll saw, have the I little saw McDonald's. flashing they one like lights, that and yeah. that's what keeps the birds away. Yeah. So Each they're not patients. just telling you to come party. It's only about six inches round, and it's just a sphere, and they hung it from the tree, and it spins, and the light reflects. Shin got little flashes of light. To the, the Watch out, party city. Us <laughs> gardeners are coming for the you. Says, okay, those disco people are there. I'm not going even close to that house. <laughs> okay, so we've got a couple minutes left. Yep. So let's just do a quick summary of what people should be doing in their yards today. It's a beautiful day. You want to get out. What should you be doing today? Well, this, this week you want to get the garden ready because everybody knows the long weekend is traditionally is when you put the garden in. So okay? you're tilling your soil, amending it, yep. pulling out some of those old roots that were in there before. Now, you want to make sure it's dry because down the south they had quite a bit of rain. Okay, let it dry up a bit first and then work, especially a heavy clay, put some gypsum in, put some, uh, some cedar mulch in if it's really hard, work it up and so work that into the soil, put some, uh, or pellets right into the, right into the soil of all two and a half pounds per 10, 100 square feet and then work that in and then uh, and get the garden ready to plant so you can go and in fact this week you can even put the peas in the potatoes in and then after next weekend, you can think about your, your peppers and your tomatoes and your cucumbers and all those kind of things. Stop by the garden centers, pick up your annuals and your vegetables, harden them off this yeah, week as well. It's really off. important. Yes. We're also seeing a lot of new growth on our perennial plants and our, and our shrubs. So it's important to clean off all of that old growth, growth. right to yep. the ground on your perennials. And then for your shrubs, you can be doing a nice prune on them so that you have lots of new growth. If you have the Carl Forrester grass and you had them cut them down to the ground, do that right away before the new sprigs come up green. You can't get rid of all that brown, okay? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, just getting the getting in the garden, getting out there with this rain we've had. Everything's vibrant and growing. So get out in the yard and enjoy, and just get things ready to go for next weekend. Is the big planting week? Oh, next weekend, get yeah. ready, everybody. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke and Jill Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.